0: I totally remember that turkey vulture day. I, I, I'm more of the mindset that it's a conspiracy, and I think I don't. I'm, I'm still not buying. I saw a the bird. I saw story.
1: the feathers. I saw. I saw the bird. You saw the
0: feathers. I can't oh.
1: say it's, it's a conspiracy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, I'm so glad we have confirmation on that. Hey everybody, and welcome to How the Fuck Did You Get That Job? The show where two knots so interesting, guys. Ask interesting people one question and then interrupt them as they try to answer it. Joining us today is Eve Wolf. In her time at Bucknell University, she was a research intern at Elias Sports Bureau and editorial intern for Sports Illustrated. She also spent some time writing on campus. Today, she is an associate producer at ESPN Films 30 for 30. Eve, welcome to the show, and how the fuck did you get that job?
1: Thanks, guys. Well, wow, I'm very impressed you looked at my LinkedIn.
0: Oh, Good job. scoured. <laughs>
1: um, I got my job. It's kind of a two-fold situation. Um, in, in my years at Bucknell, I knew I wanted to get into kind of the sports doc space um, as I got into my junior and senior years, and kind of a serendipitous moment. Um, Barry Jenkins, who is the director of Moonlight and who... Won an Academy Award Best Picture for that film, came to Bucknell to speak um, to students on diversity on his career, and since I was a film student, we um, had the fortunate opportunity to um, meet up with him after his talk. And this was coming right after he won the Academy Award, so he had seen. Um, I'll backtrack a little bit. OJ Made in America, which is an ESPN Films project, um, also won best documentary academy award so in the kind of uh, award circuit that season um Barry Jenkins and Connor Shell who um was the executive at ESPN films um kind of synced up and when I mentioned to Barry that I wanted to go into the sports doc, doc field he was like you know what I'll send an email tomorrow um, and this is like to orient you like April of my senior year, probably like the golden time when everyone's looking for a job. Everyone else already has a job, um, not in the media space, but he kind of linked us up and um, Connor and his team got in touch with me shortly after, and we kind of just kept in touch. And at that time, there wasn't a job um, open, but I kind of just my foot in the door, um, kept emailing and didn't have a job when I graduated, but luckily something opened up, a production assistant position in July after I graduated, and I just reached out and um, there we were. But I should also mention that my dad worked at ESPN for 20 years too, so he had some ins with people at ESPN Films, so I kind of had the added added boost of Barry Jenkins and uh, Steve Wolf, two very famous guys.
0: That's awesome. And then and,
2: you're oh, good. You go ahead. <laughs> Kill it. Edit. Edit. Oh. All right, we're good. <laughs> so you, you
0: you were a film student. So you were obviously interested in that. Like from like ear- earlier than that, where did that interest start? How did that How did that start up?
1: I would say that my film interest kind of drew from my interest just like in the film industry as a whole and just in in movies. Um, but marrying the two, like sports and film, um, just came from growing up in a, in a sports family. I mean, everyone in my family has a career in sports. Um, and I wasn't sure that I wanted to lean into sports. I just wasn't sure where the right fit was for me. But when I um, was studying film at Bucknell, um, I realized like, oh, this is cool. Like I had the box set 30 for 30s at my house because 30 for 30 was a thing in 2010 and I grew up with it. And like, of course, 24 um, seven on HBO. And, and I realized I kind of had that moment where I was like, wait, there's there's a career here. And, and it's not just like you're studying film at, at Bucknell. It's not just looking at film noir and film history and, sure. and all that stuff. It's um, different genres.
2: And, and bringing it back even further, like, why, why did you pick Bucknell? Uh, there's a lot of universities that, you know, have great film. Yeah.
1: I really didn't have a school that, like, I wanted to go to. Um, I just wanted a, a straight liberal arts education, as everyone says when they go to a liberal arts school. Um, but I had a cousin who went to Bucknell, my uncle went to Bucknell, and, and they just, they loved it. Um, and I visited it late, um, kind of in the spring when, when, I, when all that stuff was coming to a close and, and every student needs to decide by May 1st where they're going. Um, and it just felt like the right fit. Just I had no idea what I wanted to do with my career, or what I wanted to major in, and it just felt like it was super open-ended and um, offered that flexibility.
0: And you talked about everyone in your family is working in sports. How competitive does that make, like, family gatherings? Like. <laughs>
1: I'd say um, since we all are kind of in different spaces in sports, it, it helps. Like, and we can all lend, lend our knowledge to each different facet that we're all kind of focusing on. Um, but I would say that we're all pretty aligned with our team. So there's there's no rivalries there. Um, but when we're playing sports together, like, if it's spike ball, it gets pretty good. I
0: don't know. And you, you hinted at our uh, extensive research department. Um, We—I I also great research. Yes, I also we got read, a whole team. We got a whole team. <laughs> I, your sister played some college hockey, correct? Was that? Am, yes, she right played.
1: That? At, she played at Middlebury College.
0: Did you? Did you play hockey? Like ever with
1: her? I played field hockey, and I can skate, but I don't ask me to do both of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> Has me to do it on the ice. Was yeah, but a- I was a I was a field hockey player and softball player in high school. But
0: was there ever take- time where you guys were on the same team?
1: Yeah, she was on the A team. I was on the B team. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs>
0: I was going to say, I, I had tough. a, a – Tough on I, my
1: parents. Tough on my parents. <laughs> we're, t- we're actually twins, so tough on my parents to uh, drive us to both practices. So uh, I think my dad actually asked for me to be on the A-team so that he wouldn't have to deal with two practices at once. <laughs> That's
0: awesome. The minute I read that, I was like – I went to Mighty Ducks D2, the Bash Bros, and I was like, that – that had to happen. I put two or two together. I
1: was actually her in high school. I was actually the team's manager. So like, I was, I was every time she uh, scored a goal, it was me writing that down. But
2: oh.
1: grew out of jealousy to to being proud of her.
2: <laughs> there you go. And it and you said like. I think as you said around your junior year at Bucknell that you realized you wanted to lean more into sports, but more specifically, the sports doc space. Was there a specific documentary or was there something, a project that you were working on that you were, it just clicked?
1: That's a good question. Um, I think it probably clicked for me when I realized that writing was my, my strong suit um, and that I realized that I, on paper, um, I really liked to dive into the stories that sports and obviously beyond can tell. Um, and in my experience at Sports Illustrated, my, my editorial internship, which was amazing, it opened my eyes to, to so many areas of, of the industry. It um, exposed me to both like the breaking news side of sports and also just like the long form storytelling t- side. Um, and I think coming out of that summer, I realized that I wanted to... Um, tell stories in the sports realm that um were beyond kind of just the sco- scores and the stats and the players of, of the everyday kind of um machine of sports.
0: And so take us through you you get brought on as a production assistant those first like couple months what does that look like for you and like is it, is it kind of like when you get on campus at ESPN is that like head spinning kind of situation?
1: So when I took the job, I knew it was gonna be in Bristol, Connecticut not in New York and I was totally fine with that just because I realized the, the value in taking the position. But um, it's a huge campus. I think there are about 4,000, 5,000 people um, who work there um, sp- spread out just like a college campus, building one, building two, like gym, cafeteria, everything. But kind of that first day on campus, I was introduced to our ESPN Films department, which is extremely small, and everyone is um, extremely welcoming. And they were welcoming from the start, so I was in good hands uh, right off the bat.
0: That's awesome. And I, I, I'm always super intrigued with just Bristol as a place, because like it really is just the ESPN in there. What what was it like, like m- making friends? Like, did you make any friends outside of the people at ESPN, or is it really kind of like everything revolves around the campus?
1: It's really revolved around the campus, so if you move there and you're right out of college, and they also have like the ESPN Next program, which is um, for, for students coming right out of college. It's kind of like if you're looking for a roommate in the area, you're going to be living with someone um, who works at ESPN, so everyone there is really just kind of Doing the same thing, going through the same motions, um, to really kind of find just that cohesive bond right off the bat, and, and bonding with people and making friends easily.
2: So I guess like with Bristol, like, do you were was there any kind of starstruck? Like any I, I'm when you see like any of these ESPN reporters, like I've been there once, and it really is like a breathtaking experience just to step onto Bristol.
1: Oh yeah, um, like Stephen I Smith. All those guys, and I remember the moment, I think it was, like, a year and a half ago when the turkey vulture um, flew into Stephen A. Smith's, like, office window, and it happened at, like, it happened at, like, 8 a.m., so I'm just walking out, and there's, like, a Starbucks on campus going to get my, my coffee in the morning, and obviously there's these facilities guys outside dealing with it and it just became this viral moment on social media because everyone couldn't believe like this turkey vulture like targeted Stephen A. Smith's office um everyone just wanted to to see inside the office to see what was in there so yeah there's definitely that element um of being starstruck and when you're when you have your head down like grinding throughout the day it's it's easy to forget just um how lucky you are to be in a place like that try to look up every day and just be appreciative of everything we're surrounded by
0: I totally remember that turkey vulture day I, I I'm i more of the mindset that it's a conspiracy and I think I don't I'm still not buying I saw the bird I saw story. the feathers
1: I saw I saw the bird you saw the feathers I can't oh. say it's, it's a conspiracy Oof.
0: yeah wow oh I'm so glad we have confirmation on that <laughs> Um, so then you were so you're at Bristol for like a, around two years, and then you transitioned to New York. What was what was that transition like? Like when when did you find out that 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 was going to be even be a possibility?
1: Nearing the, the kind of end of my my production assistant role was a like a two year project position, and so I really just spent those two years focusing on my role um and trying to learn as much as i i could not just in my role but beyond and from everyone above me um from networking within the company and seeing what other departments had to offer but i knew that i wanted to stay within espn films because i i hadn't reached my my ceiling yet and i wanted to learn more and luckily um the associate producer position opened up and was offered to me and um i didn't hesitate in taking it and that brought me to new york which I was really happy about too but the, the team in New York and Bristol is is really close um, so we work together every single day so it's nice to, to be that bridge between Bristol and New York and, and still be um, working with them on a daily basis
2: well, behind 30 for 30 like everything is just there's it's a lot of storytelling right uh, and this is' gonna be a super open-ended question but like what it what it goes into it like what is needed to tell a good story by, behind on any platform? Like, what are some key pieces that you can, like, point out that are in, like, a couple of documentaries that you really like that go a long way?
1: Uh, I'd say, one, access is really important. Um, so whether you have the subject, whether you have the family, getting those important voices is, is definitely key. Two, I would say archival footage is extremely important. And in my role as a production assistant, that was um, a large part of my role, was just research, researching ESPN's archives for um, all these great golden nuggets that we could include in these docs and then I would also say that the filmmaker is important and also just the filmmaking team that we work with the director the editor the producer Um, just having those talented minds um, to really bring everything together and fit the the puzzle pieces together is is extremely important of course
0: the archival footage piece like do do you ever write a specific instance where you remember finding something where you're like oh my gosh this is incredible. Like, this is the perfect thing. This is what I've been looking for.
1: I remember I I was working on, um, the Rodman for better or worse 30 for 30 and really, really diving into that one. And I remember there was a tape that we we needed to find and couldn't find it. Um, I think it was something of like a feature that ESPN did on Rodman when in the early 2000s, um, but it was really, really important to the, t- to the director to find it. So I did as much as I could. Um, and eventually, I found the, the phone number for, for this producer who did it, no longer at ESPN. And he was out in Los Angeles. I called him. He's like, yeah, I have that tape, but it's like in some storage unit up north. This guy's like in Santa Monica. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in Bristol, Connecticut. There's no way I, I can get to to California. But luckily, the the director and the producer of Rodman, um, they're out in California. So they drove out to the storage unit and they, they kind of had to dive, dive into these, these random buckets, not without this guy's help. The guy, they went to this guy's, um, house, they got the key for the storage unit and they found the tape, just kind of something to give you a little bit of, of what goes into finding all these pieces that, that make a great duck.
0: That's awesome. That's, that's so funny, picturing, like, a director, like, just
1: yeah, they'll do. They'll do whatever. Through. They'll do whatever they can. It's it's like sliding down the fire pole.
0: <laughs> That's so good. And I, I I would be remiss if we did not talk about the current project you're working on, the last dance. Obviously, like with everything going on, it's it's that. I feel like it's the highlight of every sports fan's week so far. Going when when you were working on it, did. Did it feel like that? Like no matter what, this was gonna stop this was gonna stop everybody. Like it would it the access all those pieces were there, the access, the archival footage, a great filmmaker. Like did you know yeah, that this that was, was gonna be world changing?
1: That was the hope, right? Like we're making we're putting all of this effort, um, have all of this amazing archival footage that's never been seen before from NBA Entertainment. Um, and those guys, but that's the hope. And obviously it had planned to roll out during the NBA finals in June. So we're like, this is going to fill the content um, time during these nights when the NBA finals games aren't on. But I really think just the reaction we've got is so far beyond what we expected. And it's just been amazing to see, I mean, the entire country, different audiences just rally around this documentary and, and push it to, to become a cultural moment. So I mean, obviously with the 10-part documentary series, you, you want it to be as big as as the time and effort and sweat and tears you're putting into it. But I I think it's far beyond what we
2: expected. And so what is it like in ESPN when they're making the decision to push it forward, right? Like, is everybody kind of running everywhere? Did you have, I, I imagine you had most of, like, everything already completed, but what went into that decision to push it a week earlier and was was it extremely hectic around the office, uh, trying to get everything done?
1: I would say, I mean, we were all at home when, like, right, true. The, the decision to, to – or the thought to even move this up was happening. Um, and there were obviously conversations that, that were happening beyond me, but just being able to, like, serve our fans um, and the sports audience was obviously a huge thing for us. And, yeah, there was some, like, running around that, that happened, but um, we all – Kind of found our rhythm and, and got everything into place. And there was certainly discussions between um, the executive producers and the producers and the, and the director, like, is this in a place where you feel comfortable to to finish it up? And we felt we felt strongly about that. So it ultimately worked out and we're, we're happy it did.
0: I, I only have one more question and it is completely aside from sure. all, all of that. And it's, again, from our research department. And it's a common theme that we've now found in people's LinkedIn. They list... They sometimes list a foreign language, like because they took it and then no one ever tests them on it.
1: Oh, there you go, wow.
0: Two hablas espanol.
1: See, I espanol.
2: Wow.
1: <laughs> Did I pass?
2: Oh yeah. oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, you sound bullet.
1: You literally you threw me a softball there. Uh,
0: well, it's, it's telling Spanish is on mine and that's uh, I think that's about the extent of mine too. So. Gracias.
2: <laughs> who do we um. found we found one of our one of our buddies who were the bleacher report. We found that he had German and like he just didn't speak German at all,
1: oh, <laughs> and he was no. like, "Yeah,
2: I just put it on there, and like, <laughs> we got him so like he studied, hard."
1: <laughs> like he studied abroad in Berlin, and yeah, like
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I, th-
0: I think it was his grandmother was Austrian, and so she spoke to him when he was a kid, and he's like, "I think if I think if somebody spoke to me, I could speak back." <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm glad um, you got him we yeah. were that's what we're here for so we're we're terrible at ending these shows so we end with a complete lightning round 15 oh, questions no. answer as <laughs> as quickly oh, and honestly as possible <laughs> okay um Jaffin, do you want to start or me
2: do we have it pulled you off? kick us off i i okay. kicked us off last time so you kick us off
0: all right do these
1: all do all 15 make the Make the end.
2: we uh, you, we, can, we we can we can cut whatever you want like after uh, we can send you the episode there's not we're not out to get you.
1: <laughs> okay great. thanks.
2: Person you'd most want to sit down to dinner with. You could say David Jaffin <laughs> or Jake Miller. I'm a helper. Uh favorite city in the world. Other than Lewisburg, Pennsylvania.
1: Prague That's where I studied abroad.
2: Awesome. <laughs> Is it okay to sleep with socks on? yes what's your favorite hogwarts house
1: i never read what's your
2: hogwarts house sorry
1: i never read harry Potter.
2: potter
0: favorite romantic comedy
1: what's the one with justin timberlake and jessica alba Sorry, this is not
0: quick. Friend, friend Wait, is it Friends with Benefits with with Mila Kunis and Justin Turnbull? Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, Mila.
2: Okay, okay. I love that. Friends of that's, Benefits. That's a great pick. You uh, can tell Jake's super deep in the rom-com. Uh, so deep. <laughs> so deep. <laughs> is, it, is it me or are you? I already lost it. I think it's me. Uh, favorite cook bite in Lewisburg.
1: Oh, Amami.
0: Greatest Bucknell athlete ever.
1: Um, Will Bachman, my cousin
2: Nice Golfer In in 2036, Eve Wolf is winning what trophy?
1: Maybe like uh, Number one in a 5K
0: What sport would be the funniest To add a mandatory amount of alcohol
2: to? Mini golf (laughs) Is a hot dog a sandwich? No Michael Jordan or LeBron James?
1: Michael Jordan
0: Go-to quarantine snack?
1: Pretzels
2: Mm. Best best film ever.
1: Good question. I love Devil indemnity. It's like a super nerdy answer, but it's a film noir.
0: <laughs> no now we gotta watch. Yeah. Yeah, gotta watch it. N- now we have homework. Uh finish this sentence. The first 30, 30 30 for 30 I will direct is going to be about blank.
1: Elizabeth Wolf, my sister.
0: Eve Wolf, thank you so much for coming Thanks, on the show. Thanks, guys. Where can people find you?
1: They if, can find if me at my. Learn
0: more.
1: They can find me at my email. It's, uh, it's a wolf. Instagram. Wolf. That like you can figure out the wolf. The wolf spelling. Dot <laughs> at gmail dot com.
0: Love it. <laughs>